Hello, everyone, and thank you for downloading the podcast. This is Between Players. My name is Zach Meyer, and tonight uh, we're joined by our um, correspondent, my brother and fellow gamer, Robert. We're going to be talking about our um, time in Randy Pitchford's most recent gun gun explosion mania that is uh, Borderlands 3. Indeed. Yeah, that's where we're going. <laughs> that's that is the rumor so uh so rob Ro, rob and i have been playing the game for gosh on, on and off i would say like what like two two months i have invested a total of 35.3 hours according to steam so uh dividing that by week and night time plays mm-hmm. about 10 zero yeah probably 10 to 12 weeks yeah somewhere somewhere in that neighborhood i think we there were some nights where we made like a lot of progress cr- quickly and there were some nights that like kind of got we kind of got sandbagged a little bit yeah. um and some of that sandbagging actually is uh technical in origin and that's on me i think some of it's definitely on me um <laughs> Some of my, I, about that. I had some hardware problems and it seemed like there were a lot of like patches and updates over the months um, that raised or lowered the, let's say, smoothness of my experience playing the game. Yeah. And then the only other thing I think that so some of it is theoretically my hardware, but the the other part that we encountered was the uh, shift shift pairing. shift pairing oh whatever it is the like the the online co-op tool like i would get mysteriously after like a certain threshold i would get like booted out of the server and then it would lock that session yeah this was a bi-directional problem um and, and i don't know how exactly they have their server hosting arrangement set up so this is pure speculation but it it appeared that Anytime you hosted a game for multiplayer, that went somewhere. I don't think it was being locally hosted, just uh, by the truancy of the the problems we were experiencing. Because like you said, we would join, everything would run all right for a little while, and then at a certain point, it would lock up, it would kick somebody out, and then that that instance wherever it's being hosted, whether it's locally or on their, uh, on their cloud would not allow you to rejoin. So we had to close the game on both ends, restart the game on both ends and create an entirely new instance. And this was a regular occurrence and it was completely random when this would happen. It might be 20 minutes in, it might be an hour in, it might be two hours in. God forbid we were playing that long, Oof. but it it would it happened fairly consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it happened, and it, you know, if this is your perception, I think it happened more often than not in our sessions. Did it? Yeah, I'm gonna say at least fifty percent of our sessions we had a server lockup that would hose the instance we were on. Mm-hmm. And we would spend like 20 minutes or so trying to get back into the game, which was very like, strange. Yeah, very, very odd. So there was some like software googly goos. Um, but aside from aside from that software stuff, I think that the the game itself is actually like pretty, pretty well. I don't know, like pretty hardened, I suppose. Passable. Uh, we, passable. <laughs> so we're playing on Steam. We played the year. I think, didn't Epic have it for like six months or a year or something? Uh, yeah, six I think months? it was six to nine months, if oh, I recall something. correctly. Something like so, that. So we waited it out and uh, bought it on bought it on Steam. And um, we haven't played the expansions. We just went through the main story. So it's just fighting the twins and uh exploring the first the first main worlds the first four main worlds which i i don't know if the expansions are going to include new planets they probably are just going to have new areas on some of the planets maybe they'll add a whole nother destination um yeah so i don't know what did you so what one of the things that was like to me was like kind of a, a 
I suppose a natural evolution, but seemed a little different was uh, the sort of like evolution of sanctuary itself going from being like, it's still a hub, right? Like it's still this like central place that like spiders out to all the other places that you're going to go to. Um, but it didn't, f- it's not a town anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So it kind of had this because it's now, now you're just in this giant spaceship where, you know, every, <laughs> every, every quarters is somebody is a vendor room. <laughs> Um, it had a very different, like, I don't know, like maybe just the literal nature of it being a, a, a rectangle, a a series of, uh, (coughs) shipping containers stacked on top of each other. It just had much, a much more, you know, inorganic feel like wandering around sanctuary in two, you know, you have like alleyways, things curve around. There's sort of like this main square. It's a circle, yada, yada. But uh, one one thing about New Sanctuary that I found to be kind of, uh, I'll call it dry, uh, is just this, like, the shape of it. It was just like, yeah, I'm going to walk down this hallway, and then I'm going to walk down this next hallway. And that's kind of it. Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that I remember from playing the previous games is, uh, exploring all the little nooks and crannies. Like, I, you probably noticed in our time together, I love to try and find all the walls in the game in the game yeah i'm constantly jumping around climbing shit jumping through stuff uh running down um you know small corridors trying to find places you can crouch or uh climb to and i definitely felt a little claustrophobic coming from the city and moving to the ship Mm -hmm. um thematically obviously it makes sense um the way that the story is written out transitioning to the ship was kind of an obvious progression right. uh, you know so I, I can forgive some of that the one thing that i will never forgive is their atrocious mini map where as you're walking around the ship your objective can be on any of four floors that you have to circumnavigate and like really the only way of knowing what's what and what's where is by memorizing the map and learning through exploration, which, you know, you know, call me whatever you will, poo-poo that statement if you wish, uh, but having basic tools like this object is above you or this object is below you, uh, having a persistent uh, compass on the mini-map so that you can navigate more easily, like even while you're trying to learn the maps, eventually you will, but yeah. having those uh, having those markers and guides not only helps you learn them faster, but when you're in a new area and you're exploring or going to run a mission, having those to rely on makes the gameplay much, much, much more fluid mm-hmm. instead of hovering around, hovering around the same area, running in circles, jumping up and down like I'm standing on this freaking marker where is my objective? Why isn't it here? This doesn't make any friggin' sense. It, it's one of my pet peeves. I see it in some modern titles, uh, AAA titles nowadays, and for the life of me, it just still does not make any sense that we can't have something so simple as even a persistent compass on the mini-map to assist with navigation. Like, yeah. Especially in a co-op where we have cars or you know, whatever your choice may be. Yeah. One of the, the catcher ride, one of the catcher ride vehicles. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely found myself, uh, I don't know if you, th- there was a, there was one good thing about the new catcher rides. I thought that the, uh, what was it? The wheel was probably the, the Uniwheel was probably one of the better new additions uh, to it. They, I mean like control wise, like they felt a little bit better. Things felt a little bit sharper than, uh, in uh then in borderlands 2 like just using a car just felt like more fun and didn't feel quite as like like you're like ice skating or something like that it didn't feel squirrely yeah they they had some better uh the tighter handling was definitely a good point Mm -hmm. um for me one of the things that i enjoyed most about it was just giving players the individuality to to control and fire their own ship as opposed to having to delegate those tasks. Right. Um, and in in a game where co-op is a large feature of the game and, a, yeah. and something that people who play it care about, um, you can 
kind of go either way with that. Honestly, the only reason that I'm less inclined to go with uh, one of the, the standard co-op vehicles is navigation is a massive pain. Yeah. And it's for this, the same previously stated reasons. So yeah, it, it was, it, it felt like kind of a co- cop out granted, you know, it, yeah, it plays me- itself out, but I did like I, I'm I'm not looking for like the I would say and maybe you're saying this also I I definitely don't feel like I needed I don't want the like the uh what is it the yellow line like I don't need oh fable <laughs> yeah like well yellow, yeah fable did it uh Witcher unless you turned it off had the little had the little dotted line in front of you that you can follow uh so I, I like I turned that stuff in th- in the hood in the hood in the hud but I did keep the little um directional reticles so that I know that my target is like north of me east of me west of me and at least having that like ordinal like you're saying having some ordinal navigator to like give you good placement would have been a huge upgrade cuz it was the same in the second game you're always like being told to go somewhere and then like 5 seconds into your direction you're like okay I got to go, I got to go up, I got to take a left, and then I got to make sure to go through that tunnel and then take a right, and then it's the second right, and then I'll be at the destination. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I felt like I was, and maybe you felt this also, I felt like I was opening the map screen quite a bit every time there was a new destination. Um, Mainly because, like, I think that this is true in all of the, like, sort of, like, open open world-ish explorations. Like, as the maps get bigger, you like you might generally know where something is but like it's super easy to get lost because a lot of the landscape is not deeply dis- different and so knowing your the direction you need to go from your starting point i feel like i always need to look at the map to like get my bearings yeah and in larger worlds and with worlds with a lot of um stacking and elevation change yeah uh like borderlands especially it's easy to try and beeline to where your destination is. And then you're staring at a cliff and like, well, how in the hell do I get up there? And then you spend the next 10 or 20 minutes circling one way or the other to try and find the ramp up. Like it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel very intuitive. And yeah. those, those types of things I notice a lot when I'm playing a game where it's like, I'm supposed to be going here. And then you, you know, you follow, the route to the destination you're like oh i went the wrong way how how did i reach this situation where i'm yeah. not where, where i'm supposed to be and that that to me is indicative of some type of mechanical problem um where the game just isn't isn't naturally pointing you in the direction that you need to go or not doing it in such a way that you can reach the destination through um, the map that they've created and I, mean, I don't have any problems with the maps they're, they're yeah. expansive there's lots to see there's mm. a lot of diversity much more than the previous titles um, obviously a lot of time and effort went into crafting architecting and constructing them so i, I don't have anything bad to say about that i think that yeah. it's it's not a problem with the maps. It's a problem with how the user is able to interact with them because you don't, like you said, you have to keep opening the map and being like, Oh, do I have to go over here? Maybe this is the road up. I, you know, I went in this direction, but now I can't find my way. What the hell's going on? Yeah. And I think, I think it, the, it's only suffer. It's, it's only suffering these things when you're outside. I think as soon as you get into one of the zones or into one of the houses or buildings or whatever, like all the navigation inside of those feels really tight and sharp. But when you're left to get from like one building to another building, it can feel a little disorienting. So this is obviously something that they could, that they should be able to get better at. I feel like it's like a lingering problem from two and not a huge improvement. Um, but, uh, but there are tons of improvements over too. like, um, I thought the, uh, mantling, like being able to like pull yourself up on a ledge, uh, like that made verticality more intuitive and more interesting in combat. Like I remember when I like, I booted up a game and started one of the, uh, started character using the mech and I realized how quickly I was getting gunned down because I wasn't using the verticality of the boxes. Mm-hmm. 
and the AI was, and mm-hmm. that like, and this yeah. is like very early, right? And then, um, and then as I started doing that, I was like, oh, okay, oh, it's so like, it's so smooth and intuitive. I should just be doing this all the time. Yeah, I, we also found out um, through our thirty-five and a half hours playing that uh, not all the classes actually have the same verticality capabilities either. Mm, um, yeah, based I on was, model size. Yeah, so the the model size of your character actually affected how well you were able to grab ledges and haul yourself up, um, as well as your jump height. Yep. So uh, I remember, you know, playing as the Beastmaster. It's a very tall character. I was able to scale a lot of stuff pretty breezily. You know, little effort involved. Um, and a lot of times, I would look down. I'm like, oh, hey, what you doing down there? Where, yeah, where, where aren't you up here, buddy? Yeah, you were uh, you're playing Flack, and yes. uh, I was playing. I think her name's Samara. Is that right? No, yeah, Amara. The, excuse me, the, the siren. siren. Class. Yeah, the siren class Amara. So there's there's essentially like I want to say there's like three new classes and one kind of old class. Um, like Amara is definitely the old class. Like she plays just like a siren. I did not feel any major difference between playing her uh, than I did playing the Siren from the last game. Um, but uh, Flack kind of plays a bit more like the Mechromancer from BL2, who is like an expansion character, or at least that was my impression. What did you did you feel like I was pretty similar, or was it different? Um, I would actually compare him more to the Engineer. Oh, from, okay. From BL2 because your uh, your pets are persistent, um, right? Because there there is a mech summoner class in this game, which I think is more analogous to Mo- yeah uh, the gunner. Yeah, so like because your pet is always there, mm-hmm. um, it's always hovering around you. But then you can kind of like. Uh, you, the special ability just amps it up and gives you some big buffs and big bonuses for for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that it's more kind of like the the twin drones where they're kind of always around, but then you can okay. send them into hyperdrive. Um, but yeah, that I mean, it's it's a good class. It's a good reimagining. I thought it was a very fun class to play. Uh, yeah. All in all, um, I think they're getting closer to i still think that the borderlands one classes are probably my favorite classes of the series oh, really? so far still. oh they're so good they're just hmm. so good yeah i so this is this is sort of like a funny thing like i still haven't played the first borderlands i've only <gasps> played two and three <laughs> what yeah i know uh, oh, you so, monster so i i don't i should probably just go ahead and install it and uh give it a like you know, pick up one of each of the classes and see how they feel. Um, but yeah, like three, I think one interesting thing was that like uh, the siren felt nerfed a little bit more, which mm. I think was kind of appropriate because like in two, the siren was like way overpowered, like the amount of time, like everything that you could stack into freezing any creature in place and essentially hurting them, shooting them better and then gaining health while you're doing that just was game breaking. Absolutely. For me, um, it got to the point where fights just were very tolerable without much effort. And in three, I found myself getting knocked down a lot more like Amara's health, even though I was like in level parody with you, I would get knocked down way more. Mm-hmm. And yep. She, I don't know. She just didn't seem as hardened as, um, as, uh, as what's her name from, from the previous one. But it's, it's kind of an interesting game. Cause it seemed like they were, the one thing that I noticed about like, um, like story-wise is that it seemed like they were trying to like, um, shuffle. It, was, it seemed like they were kind of like getting rid of the old guard and bring in the new. So if you haven't played through the story, like probably from here on in, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about stuff that's going to be, uh, spoilery. So, you know we'll we'll talk about all the good and bad parts of how the story operates but um you know just fair warning like we'll we'll tell you what happens well we might tell you what happens so just just 
be aware, listener, <laughs> your listener. Maybe, um, maybe. But yeah, like it, it seemed like a big theme of the game was this sort of like killing the past, essentially, to like move forward into this new paradigm in Borderlands. And some of that felt really good, but some of it just, I don't know, seemed a little ham fisted or ham fisted seems both ham it seemed like a little ham fisted but also like a little bit I'm trying to think of the right word for it like they were really dismissive of things like there was nods to things from the older games that were good but they were like really quick to like try to expunge previous characters and borderlands 2 they kill um gosh who is it it's the commando from one right yeah and so there was like one and that kind of like you know codifies the group right and but in this one there it just seemed like left and right they're just like oh this guy needs to go Uh, this person needs to go and some of it is in direct service to like how the twins work but they were they're no handsome jack like that's the real that's the reality is like I don't know. I just didn't find them to be as uh, charismatic. Nowhere near as charismatic. Yeah. I've, I've been trying to think of a good way to to voice what about the twins I particularly despise about them. And you can say, like, the fact that you dis- dislike these characters means that they're written well in that you're supposed to not like them. Sure. But... Um, the 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 type of vitriol I have towards them is much different than I have for Jack. I like I find them to be much more um, just like annoying. Yeah, like that, that's definitely the word. I just hate. <laughs> I, hate I hate hearing them. their dumb voices. I yep. hate hearing their dumb words. Yep. I hate having to deal with all their dumb plot devices like they feel so much more like a burden rather than an adversary like the whole time you're playing it's just like i don't want to to hear anything you have to say like whatever you're gonna throw at me just just teleport it in already like can we skip having to listen to your dumb garbage and the plot devices that they use you know whether you want to say that it's they gave them too many MacGuffins from a storyline perspective, um, or I think just that's that they're debatable. yeah. Like I don't I don't have a big problem with their like. I think my only like deal with them is that I don't like their omniscience. Like Jack, it how they explain Jack being able to like plug into what you're doing is that he's getting reports of what you're doing and you can hear him in, in your calm, right? Mm-hmm. In in Borderlands 2. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Oh, I heard you blew up, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm gonna have to pay you back for that. You know, like he's like he's aware of what you're doing in in past tense. Whereas these characters seem to be able to like just show up at any time when the story needs them to be there without any warning or tip off. Like it's not, it's not clear that there's a connection the same way that there was with Jack, With Jack, it's like, he's the owner. You're fighting the president of a evil corporation. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you hurt presidential property, he's going to hear about it and he's going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas these guys, they, because they are sirens, they like teleport in and they'll like, I think, I think part of what makes it sort of odious or whatever is that like, or one thing that I found odious is that like the cutscenes when they show up, I think you were kind of talking about this also, but just like with the cutscenes when they show up, like you become this weird, it's like your character is not there anymore. They're just talking to some floating camera or they're talking to the, like, it's like, it's kind of like a cheap uh, FMV or whatever it's like a cheap in-game video moment and it's not paced well. It's not edited. Well, it just, it isn't as tight and crisp as all of the other things. And so it feels, I felt like this weird, like it felt like my character was never there when they showed up. It's like they teleport in, I teleport out and literally you don't interact with them. They just do whatever it is they're going to do. And then they leave. 
And I just hated that. I hated feeling like you were because like in the other ones, you'd be trapped like Jack would trap you and then he would do his bullshit and then he would leave and then you'd escape the trap. Right. Like there was this like very natural pace to it. But in this one, it was just like the earth stopped for a second or your character's world stopped for a second and the twins would do something to one of your teammates one of the other sirens because part of the plot is that they're energy vampires essentially and it it just felt like everything would stop they would torture one of the other sirens and then leave and then you'd be there like scratching your head like oh it's a real shame that that happened like even though i was standing right next to the way that they interact with you as well um i just found super off-putting like the I, i get you know, they're trying to be hip and do the whole social media thing. And they're trying to integrate that into the story. So like their main method of communication is through this impersonal, um, you know, kind of social media esque platform. But I, again, yeah. I just found it so withering every time you had had <laughs> to interact with them because yeah. and it, you know, it, it goes a lot to what you're saying is like the impersonality of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And you can probably make the argument that that's some brilliantly architected story device about how social media is intrinsically making us further, you know, removed Detached. from one another. I yeah. fully disbelieve that that was a creative direction that was written into the story arc. It, yeah. It just one of it didn't work for me. Exactly. It's like, I think, I think you, I think you nailed it. Like if it was intentional, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say it was intentional. That's a big if it's a big if let's say it is intentional. I think that the problem with it is that it's a great meta idea on paper, but to me it was complete. It just caused that detachment. Like in, it made me, it didn't make me, it made me hate the game. (laughs) I I didn't hate. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I wasn't enjoying myself playing the game. Like, like I get like, I like I can understand like having a meta idea like that. But in practice, it to me felt very flat. But conversely, we have a few I felt like we had some decent new characters to uh, to enjoy when they were allowed to talk. (laughs) <laughs> Did we have new characters? Because I'm, I'm counting on my hands, and I still saw Moxie and Marcus, and the usual crew of of misfits and ne'er do wells hanging around. And mm. you know, in and in, in regard to your uh, previous, um, your previous observer, observation about them, kind of like shuffling out the old guard and trying to you know move the storyline forward with new fresh faces most of whom yep. i despise um it's still a very small number of characters that they're trading out and it's all characters that are in the the quote-unquote vault hunter class so your support oh. is all the same the same schmucks that okay so yes that's true i I am thinking of um I am thinking of the, like the the other supporting characters that aren't them like uh like yes name like how many are okay. there uh so there's Ice T's uh Potty Mouth Robo Teddy Bear AI uh-huh um there's the, <laughs> there's uh the Underpants Bandit whose name I can't remember, but I think he's, in, I think he's from tales in the borderlands. Yeah. He's from the previous game. So he's still technically a holdover. So we're still, wait, was he in BL two? I... No, no, no. I think he's just tails. I think he's I think just he's a tales, tails character. It, I think he's a, uh, uh, shoot. What, what's him? He's in the, ex, the expansion in BL two before the transition to BL three, the, um, Oh God! What was that Is last? That's ex- that one with the plants, right? Yeah, general. Yes. Oh God! I can't believe this. To, like bridge the stories together. He's, he's definitely in that one. Yeah, and I believe he was also a character in one of the previous games. Oh really? I'm so I just I didn't recognize him except from Tales, which 
Yeah. Yeah. Real. If you didn't play the like bridging expansion that came out and you didn't play Tails, he would appear a new character. So oh, I'm, Commander I'm Lilith. That's what it is. Commander Lilith. Yeah. I, that was I, the BL2 prequel. I can't remember what the um I can't of course I can't remember. There's only one new character whose name sticks in my brain forever. Uh Maurice. Um Maurice. Who is as he's kind of i feel like he's kind of like the replacement for um gosh uh mr torg mm. like he's got that like big personality he's kind of larger than life he's sort of over the top he's ridiculous mm-hmm. um but he's kind of perfect and i w- like he's the only care he's the only quote unquote new character that I wish they would like dedicate a DLC to just to have like more dialogue with Maurice. I'll go further. I think that BL four should be driven by Maurice. <laughs> he, he he's is got the hands most down, quotable lines. hands down the most fun character to interact with. Mm-hmm. He had the best lines his delivery was phenomenal. His quests were all super fun. Mm-hmm. And like as a character, I felt more connection to Maurice, <laughs> the unfeeling, unfeeling, murderous space raptor, to any of the characters that I've spent countless hours with over Borderlands 2, Borderlands yeah. 1, Borderlands the pre-sequel. Like, Maurice takes the gold medal for me i think that he should at least have his own expansion if well i guess technically he does have his own expansion but he should have much more <laughs> of a prominent a much, yeah a very line. prominent expansion i totally agree i i think he was like you just nailed it like he's he is absolutely hilarious every time he talks and his like his presence on the ship is so hilarious like Cause he's definitely the odd, like the odd, the odd object, I guess. Like, like, yeah, you've got the naughty teddy bear or whatever, but everyone else, like you said, like everyone else is, that's interesting. You, you brought up a kind of an interesting point. Like they, it's like they want to kill the old guard, but they want to keep a few of them for whatever. Um, oh, the vast thought- majority of them. If you, if you want to just go by the numbers, the the majority of the old character set even the characters that have been around since borderlands one are still there like all of your core characters aside from uh you know the the commando which gets offed and then uh scooter who also gets yeah. offed um pretty much everybody else is there like moxie's there the um Claptrap's there. Yeah. Firehawk's there. Zero's there. Do we do we run into Mordecai? I feel like we ran into Mordecai at some point. Do we not? Uh, we, so we ran into Brick. We ran into Brick. I don't remember if we actually ran into Mordecai. I feel like we did. But if we did, it was just like for. I know it was. If we. Well, no, we totally did. But it was just like a mission. Right. Right. And that was it. Well, and that's fine. But like if if you're on uh, even if you just look at the hub, if you ran into at, Tina. Yep. Tina was there whom again, brilliant character should keep making appearances cuz she was one of the few breaths of fresh air in what seemed like uh, an a, a re 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 rehashed Borderlands experience. Yeah. Um like everybody that's on sanctuary is basically the same exact character set as any sanctuary in years previous uh with with the rare exceptions that you have um maurice obviously being the outstanding one i would happily vomit blood on his doorstep and scream (laughs) friendship scream scream the what sort of gifts should we bring maurice um so I have a couple of I have a couple of quick like questions for you. Which planet do you think was the best planet in the in the core game? Mm. Like, what's the what's the best thing? It could be it, and it, it can be um, the uh, what's the base one? Uh, uh, 
Pandora. It can be Pandora if you if you like that one. I have one in mind. I see so, how it is. Yeah, I have one in mind. See, I see how you're baiting me over here. Mm-hmm. No, it's fine. It could it could be Pandora. You know, if you if you felt like it. If that's what you, you like. Felt like it was Pandora. You know, if that's what you're into. If if you're into it, I'm not saying I'm into it. I'm not. I definitely not saying I'm into it. <laughs> um, I think the one that stands out the most to me was the the Jacobs. Yeah. Planet, um, the big tree house, and the swamps, and the, <laughs> the dinosaurs, and just crazy stuff everywhere. That that's the one that um, honestly like stuck. Every everything else yeah. kind of seems like a blur uh, over the gameplay time that we spent. And again, we didn't play the expansions, but in the core game, that's the one that I remember the most. Mm-hmm um playing through it how about you uh it's the same uh the first world that you're on the mal malawan world i think that one was like kind of like jack light or whatever Mm -hmm. and it was fine but it's pretty forgettable um but yeah jacobs i think has the most variety it has the most i think it just has the most character I think the other worlds, like, they're distinct, but they aren't as, um, they just don't have as much of a personality. And Jacob's feels like this weird uh, combination of, like, a Louisiana swamp and the Adams family. Like, there's just something kind of off about everything there, no matter what corner of it you go to. And all the other ones feel very much like a version of Malawan or a version of Pandora. Like they don't feel like really distinct to me. Yeah. The, I think that's part of it is just like it, it felt a lot different than anything else in the game and different from a lot of the stuff that you had encountered in previous borderlands. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the, the combination of like, it's an extremely high elevation type of, you know, like there's a lot of verticality mm-hmm. built into the map, which makes it really interesting to navigate. Um, the terrain, the environment, and the creatures are all like, uh, they kind of stand out from um, the different encounters. Like you still have your, uh, your skags and your, um, your ants and all those different things, but like, the the dinosaurs were like oh this is something new and weird and yep um the swamps and the the people that live there were all super kind of fun and interesting and it felt kind of like a return to um borderlands one or you know your your landing spot in borderlands two we were kind of getting to know the neighbors and uh no offense to rednecks but they're all basically just like future rednecks yeah 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 this this Definitely. felt like a very strong return to that kind of, um, I guess, cultural callback. Whereas your hub on Pandora is now taken over by um, Captain Underpants, and it it just doesn't have that kind of same like weird colloquial kind of funky uh, aesthetic that. Yeah. I felt like they brought back in, in rare form with that particular expansion. So it was like kind of a combination of old and new. You had like the, mm-hmm. the old kind of uh, n- nostalgic feeling of being back amongst your people, the bizarre inbred rednecks that have expanded throughout the galaxy. God bless their little hearts. Uh, but in a completely new and, and um, interesting environment that had, way way more verticality than any of the other maps that you've ever played on like it's it's basically a giant pyramid absolutely um i think the the only other like one that got close maybe was the the at least in like location design was the uh the place where you meet the young siren the like uh monk the like monk's temple that's like far away oh yeah the the rug rat who's a total throwaway character yeah i feel kind of bad for her she's just oh, like yeah. completely forgettable uh, um, who lost that battle on the writing desk that's what well, I'm yeah that yeah like if 
I'll I'll just say like one other like small what seems like a small uh I don't know dig I don't know much about the I didn't read up about any of the uh, like production like woes or wins that they had or whatever but it seemed like that a lot of the <clears throat> voice actors that you're familiar with that were probably like bigger bigger named characters became more pop, like fan favorite characters like Tina and Torg and a few others. Like it seemed like if they were there, they had very small, very, very small participation. Like even Tina's lines feel almost like bored. Like she didn't like, they weren't as like enthusiastic as they had been in uh, the previous game. So um, I'm going to, lay a lot of that at the uh feet of uh, gearbox and that they're like trying to do something new perhaps but in in that process like still it's very conflicted right like they're still like clinging on to like like characters that they need but they're not like the characters that we like as fans didn't to me didn't feel like they it were granted the uh space to be just as exciting as they were before yeah i, I think that um, kind of speaks to the difficulty um, in like trying to nitpick what exactly their problems were mm-hmm. and you know what your likes and dislikes are because it <laughs> I think the the best descriptor I can think of is just confused like mm-hmm. a lot of these things seem very confused and contradictory to me like if you want to move out the old guard, <laughs> and move in a new guard to set this as kind of like a new starting point for the mm-hmm. series to expand from. You didn't really do that, but it seemed like that's kind of what you were trying to do. Yeah. And like, uh, if you wanted to play some fanfare for the community, cause they liked these characters. So you're going to like throw in cameos, why half ass them like why not full ass them or (laughs) like make tiny tina one of the new staples at uh at the hub or something like it it just it doesn't seem it just all seems very disjointed like what what were you trying to accomplish here because it seems like all of the different moves you've made are contradictory to one another Mm -hmm. so like if you want to nitpick them for not being progressive enough or being too conservative it's like they've failed on both accounts not not that they have to be one or the other but it doesn't seem like the execution really came across with any kind of coherency and that's part of what makes it kind of feel like eh, eh. yeah yeah i totally agree uh but you know like overall like i think I think there's a lot of good improvements over the over the second game. I feel like they could still slide some of these changes in depending on how it's going. I don't know. Um, um, but I mean, like overall, it was pretty good. I think that like I'm glad I kind of feel bad saying this. I kind of feel glad that I didn't pay 60 bucks for it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I Like if I was like rating it on a scale, definitely would buy the game and play it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't pay, I wouldn't have paid full price for it. Um, just cause I felt like it was a little, I felt a little let down, but on the other hand, like Border- borderlands Two just seemed to like blow away all of my previous expectations and, you know, stuff like that. So like for a game of its type, like it's kind of hard to like at the same time, I sort of like sympathize. It's kind of hard to follow up on something that had such a long history. Like the fact that that game came out and they just released DLC after DLC. And then oh, yeah. they even put out a free DLC to connect you to the new game is just right. an insane amount of work in my mind. Yep. And um, so like props to them for doing that. I think they've, you know, they've earned the community they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I really hope the DLCs are just continue to get better and probably we'll get into them this fall. Yeah. I mean, on the whole, if you want to just like, if you want to give it uh, whatever ratings you prefer for each category story, I felt like was fairly weak. Um, I, I like that I like the overall direction they're going where it's now going to be an interstellar 
um, story and interstellar journey. I think that's brilliant. And yeah. the execution on that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the individual story arc of the twins and um, you know, the holdover characters and their whole spiels going through it. I'd take it or leave it. Yeah. But um, I like the direction that they're taking the series and I think that the larger steps that they took to progress it into that kind of, um, you know, universe, uh, as opposed to just being stuck on Pandora from V1 and V2, mm-hmm. um, I think that worked well. The, you know, overall, the audio quality is fantastic. I thought that the, um, the soundtrack, the effects, um, the obviously the voice acting are were great um especially the um the weapon effects i thought were yes. super engaging I, it might just be a me thing but i love having weapons that sound awesome like it just like when you're playing the game you just get that like you know yeah uh kind of yeah feeling to it i liked that also that the, each of the um each of the each of the brand of guns also had like such distinct audio work. Um, the havoc weapons were so different. The cryo beam stuff is cool. Malawan guns, you know, they all they all sound and function in a much more distinct way, I think, than or like felt more distinct than they did before. And the new additions feel good. Um, I liked that it, there wasn't too much of a. a a reliance on using the combination of uh like yeah the combination of of element damage to like do things mm-hmm. so i felt like that was one thing in two that was really frustrating was like you kind of had to have corrosive all the time to like to do to do good <laughs> in that game like the robots you'd have to like you had to have corrosive weapons otherwise you right. just were just spending ammunition right yeah they they kind of leveled the playing field on that Mm -hmm. um as well as with uh you know the slag mechanic from (laughs) v2 is basically absent Um, yeah so you don't have and that's one thing that i found kind of arduous about v2 was having to like swap weapons constantly like oh i gotta slag this guy then i gotta hit him with this then i gotta hit him with the so that i feel like that kind of smoothed the gameplay out um i personally i could have taken it or left it to Mm -hmm. be honest because i felt like it added a kind of challenge to the game that forced you to switch up your tactics Mm. um like if you pull the trigger until they're until until they're not moving yeah like if you went in unprepared then yeah. you were going to have a bad time. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, That's fair. Um, and it, it broke you out of the molds that you had maybe set for yourself. If you like X, Y, or Z types of weapons. So I take it or leave it. Um, I, I didn't have a big problem with that. I thought the difficulty of the game overall was lower than borderlands two. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easier. It's no dark souls, but yeah, it it definitely felt like more of a breeze through. Um, yeah. There were fewer wrenches thrown at you, and because of that leveling effect, um, it definitely felt like you could kind of blow through the game with whatever you had on hand, mm-hmm. and all it, all your only cost was basically time. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Um, let's see, I, I don't know. So yeah, I feel like it's worth it. Again, just reiterating, like I feel like it's worth it from, from like pick it up on sale type of a game. Maybe the expansions will be fun. I've heard they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it is. I think everything you said, like it is more inviting. I like the structure of having the different distinct planets, and I hope they continue this like this this direction. Mm-hmm. Would like to see if I can if I could ask for anything, probably be like, let's make our voice actors a little more interesting or give them some more interesting things to do. Um, because, uh, Maurice is the most interesting and everyone else is pretty boring. Hands down. Uh, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's still a good co-op game, especially if you're looking for something to play with one or three of your other friends. 
Um, so from that perspective, like I think it's a good, I think it'd be a great game for four, four man, four man fun, which it seems like a lot of games right now are like parties of three, which is really strange. Like all the BR games or most of the BR games, I should say like, uh, apex, uh, destiny. Um, gosh, what's the other one? The division modern warfare, modern warfare. They, they did have quads for a while. I don't know if they, they still did. do. I yeah. think they do still have quads. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, like having a game that has like multiplayer shooting cooperative, um, large party like that lets you do like a four person party. I feel like is a bit more rare. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for that, I think this is a definite get. Um, and yeah, I think if you like the Borderlands world, this is, you know, easy, easy answer. Yeah. I, you know, that's the same sort of tack that I took with, uh, Andromeda is like, if you like the mass effect series, if, if you just like playing those games because they're Mm -hmm. fun games to play and they are objectively fun, then Andromeda is great. Like there's really no, um, they didn't break any of the mechanics. Um, it's, it's more building, you know, it builds on all the same, uh, the, the classes and the weapons and the gameplay and the mechanics the the previous games, they continue to evolve and refine. Was the story as solid? Arguably no. Was the audio, uh, voice acting as elite you know arguably no did did it have the other bells and whistles take it what you will but um if you just like playing those games if you're a fan of those games and you enjoy the experience of playing them i thought that it was still super fun granted i typically don't really care about the story or the audio (laughs) you know that's fair the, at the end of the day, my biggest thing is, is this game fun to play? Is, yeah. Are the mechanics well lubricated, if you will? Yes. Um, is, it a, yes. is it a return to form or a continuation of form for the series? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, every, you know, are there any really critical mechanics or bugs that make it unplayable or really you know, like uh, dig into your time. And the only one that we had was the connectivity slash server issue, yep. which I wholeheartedly believe is on the Borderlands 3 side. So that is uh, probably the biggest feather that I had an issue with. Um, yep. The story, eh, I, I don't care that much about to begin <laughs> with. Um, being, having, you know, the experience of being force fed the twins was certainly more annoying than, um, other games that I choose not to really focus too much on the story about. So that was a bit of a headache, but, um, it's still a super fun game to play. Um, it's not super challenging. So if you want to get into the series and you've never played one before, this is probably going to be more engaging. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit easier to, you know, dip your toes in. Um, overall, you know, like it has better graphics, it has better audio, it has, you know, multiple worlds that you go through. So there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's totally worth playing, especially if you're a Borderlands fan. Yeah. I don't know that I'd play full price for it, but um, we are notoriously cheap. This is true. Uh, this is true. I think that critiquing it as a core game, just the core game that we played, um, the the critiques that we have in the core game here are really focused on that aspect of the game. The core game we felt like had these issues, has these flaws. The mechanics are X, Y, and Z. The um, the antagonists are kind of lackluster, etc. Mm-hmm. But if they plan on playing this out the same way they played Borderlands 2, honestly, this is a drop in the bucket. Uh, Borderlands 2, the core gameplay was pretty okay. Uh, I think that the villain was a little bit better. Uh, I think that it had a little bit better balance. Um, I think that it was a little bit more challenging and that uh, the drop rate made it so that when you got 
really nice weapons you were it, it felt like it more felt of like a, a big reward, reward. Yeah. yeah absolutely um so it felt like you were really grinding for something mm-hmm. um but if you're just comparing the core gameplay of this game to borderlands 2 then you want to spin off and talk about all the different expansions they released to borderlands 2 i think the potential of borderlands 3 far far eclipses the potential that they did for development on borderlands 2 which is saying a lot because it went from like a five gigabyte game to like a 40 gigabyte game so it's right they released an absolutely staggering amount of content and expansion for it and borderlands 3 i think has the potential to easily blow that out of the water mm-hmm. so you know the core gameplay Obviously, we see some issues with it. Um, I think that it's not uh, controversial to say that um, some of the critiques we have have been uh, run by um, others on the interwebs. Um, but I am hopeful, at least with this release, that this this is just the problems that we see with the actual base release of the game and that the expansions absolutely have the potential to not only fix almost all of these issues but going forward with the game they could absolutely take this to just an astounding new level um even compared to borderlands 2 and i hope that's where they go with it because all the bones are there they had the opportunity they've already laid the groundwork um you know the the table is essentially set all we have to do at this point is go and eat at it uh and i hope that's what we see totally agree i think i think that if they can if they can follow through on that we'll see this title will last for another you know five six seven years probably with great content support so let's hope for that let's hope for that more more good stuff from the uh from that creative team how long ago did Borderlands 2 come out? Oh my gosh. Uh, How long has it been? Let me look it up. Borderlands 2. Uh, it came out in 2012. So it went six years basically with expansions because I think Borderlands 3 came out in 2019. Mm-hmm. So six, seven years. Yeah. 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 So with, it's with possible. Continuous expansions. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty That's impressive. A, that is a long run for That's a, a long game run. To to not only like be active, have a large uh base presence, but to release content on that game for seven years. Mm-hmm. That's that's quite a feat. Yeah. Well, here's here's to them. I hope they I hope they can knock it out of the park with this DLC. And this fall we'll probably start working on it and we'll see if they we'll see if they can uh squeeze some more magic out. You mean squeeze some more of the blood out of their developers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hang in there guys. We appreciate your hard work even though <laughs> we said we won't pay full price for it. Hey, hey, I'm not saying general strike guys, but I'm saying maybe general strike. Oh, all right. I'm pro union. <laughs> me. All right. Well, I think, I think we have, uh, plumbed the depths of this vault of content. Oh, oh, we did forget one thing. Oh, oh, what it's very important. Neither of us got the Elon Musk flamethrower. That's true. We d- <laughs> I had totally forgot about it actually until you had mentioned it. <laughs> but we did not get the promised flamethrowers. But maybe maybe when we return this fall we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> just I just I just want my Elon Musk flamethrower. You know? I was I was promised an Elon Musk flamethrower and they have yet to deliver in thirty five hours of gameplay. So And damn it, I better see that flamethrower. Want that freaking thing so bad well thank you dear listener for staying with us uh and listening to our our uh, evaluation and musings on uh 
Borderlands 3. And thank you, Robert, for taking the time out this evening to record with me. Of course. Thank you for having me on. All right. Until next time, everybody.